Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. You're listening to Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. Welcome back! Sorry we took a week off. There were some technical difficulties in the studio last week, but we're glad to be back to continue the party. This week, we are back better than ever to bring you some great discussions and an interview as well with an up and coming Sydney indie pop artist. So some of the things you can look forward to tonight is talk about the Wings Club Netflix adaptation and its lack of diversity. We're also going to bring you a few reviews as well of some Asian-related content, including the latest Ghibli film. Aaron is here to bring us some news of that. We're also going to be talking about something that was happening a couple of weeks ago about Attack on Titan characters having a resurgence on the internet for a particular thing that was happening in Malaysia. Are you curious? Well, get your biker pants on. But first up, let's go to our team of myself, Celeste, Aaron, John Paul, and also Gabby, who will come on a bit later in our discussions. But in the meantime, continue to tune in at Asian Pop Nation. Remember back when you were little, you wished to become a fairy, if not just magical boys with swords that go to high school and all that stuff? Well, apparently that's what Wings Club is supposed to be about. But with this new adaptation, it started to... A little bit of a repeat the whole series with a live-action version that contains about high school drama, sort of like the original, but this time with a lot more of teen drama romance-like stuff. Something that the original did not have. So I said, we're going to have a little bit of topic about if we've seen the original, what do we thought about this new Netflix adaptation of it? And do you think it's better or do not? This is what we're here to talk about. Aaron, you think so. <laughs> we know how you feel. This is time to let it out. Aaron, I don't know about you, but there was, like, drama and romance in the cartoon. What do you want about? Well, there was a little bit of drama here and there. That's pretty much it. I mean, nothing, like, over-the-top drama like the like the live-action version of it, but they still had a little subtle of, like, teen drama. That's it. Unlike okay. This Unlike this one, and I had decided to go all-out MA rating. Look, every... I don't know about everyone else with Wings Club, but my beef with it is that one... They didn't have an Asian woman as Musa. Notably, mm. yeah. an Asian woman in the cartoon that they didn't put an Asian woman in the live action and there's like literally no Asian representation in the cast throughout the live action. So that makes me sad. And two, they didn't have the fairy transformations that they did in the cartoons. I'm a bit disappointed. They opened up in the live action going, that is old magic and it's lost. And I'm like, you better find it because I want to see some classic transformations. I want some wings happening. But yeah. Get the theme song playing. I want that. Yes, I want the theme song too. Oh my God. This just sounds like wings without the happiness. Yes. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's the happiness. (laughs) I feel like I'm watching Teen Wolf but with like Vampire Diary with a mix involved. You know, um, one of the producers happened to also be a part of the Vampire Diaries, so I'm not surprised. Are they making a second season? I Is hope so. Any- Why? <laughs> I thought you didn't like those particular aspects, or did you just not like those two things, but everything else was fine? Well... Towards the end of the series, it's only eight episodes, there was a bit of a transformation thing that happened and they had like these wings. They didn't look that great, but it still happened. There was wings. (laughs) And I'm giving it like 
a chance to redeem itself. I want more things to happen. Um, hopefully, they'll add on more cast because they need to include all the characters from the um, original cartoon. And so hopefully we see Asian representation. I didn't think it was too bad, the live action version. But Aaron has opinions. Well, so, for starters, I can say, well, the starters, so basically the whole six episodes are more like everyone don't get along with each other. And especially, well, at the end of the first season, with all the six episodes, they started like, you know what, we're going to become buddy buddies, all that stuff. <laughs> especially the final episode, spoiler alert, the principal dies. Whoa, what? Hey, I was going to watch this. Oh, well, sorry. I just <laughs> well, I'm sorry. But other than that, they got rid of Flora. Who doesn't like, why get rid of Flora? Instead, they're going to replace her with a cousin, so maybe it's it's okay for that one. That's it. But, How um, similar is it to the original? Like, is the no, main character still called Bloom? Yeah. yeah still got the main and that's character. it. Yeah you, still, yeah, you still got the main characters, Bloom, Skylar, Muse, Aisha, and Stella. But the, and especially some of the boys as well, so that's that. Yeah. But, like, hopefully as they, like add more seasons we get more characters more representation i'm being positive here aaron's just like no are you gonna watch the next season aaron comes out not sure really (laughs) hey it's celeste here on asian pop nation and i know we love our asian artists overseas but let's shine a light on our lovely local artists here on our shores that last song you just heard was the debut single from sydney-based alt-rock duo in plastique. It's titled Blue and it definitely had me feeling blue. The duo has called it a song for the brokenhearted and since Valentine's Day is over, I'm going to be playing this song on repeat because no one has sent me flowers and I'm just acting all sad. So the members themselves are Reese Henriquez, who is the vocalist and guitarist of the team, and Lyth Haddad, who does the drums. And they draw influences from Nirvana, Radiohead, and Spacey Jane. So give them a follow if you like their song and look forward to hearing more alt-rock stuff from them. So yeah, if you're into the alt-rock vibes, then yeah, check them out. Give them a follow if you like their song and look forward to hearing more alt-rock stuff from them. Now, next up in our local spotlight we have is Aussie artist G Flip collaborating together with sweetheart MXM Toon, who is based in California. Now, what an amazing collaboration and an absolute tune with their song Queen. I didn't know about you, but that song is such a positive booster. It makes me feel like a strong woman and I need those vibes on a daily basis to get me through life. You'll be hearing their collab later on, but speaking of girl power vibes, we have Kermit with her latest song called Flex. Kermang is based in Melbourne and is of Balinese heritage. She describes her music as neo-soul with Balinese spirit. Now, this song is the right amount of dark and mysterious and keeps you wanting more. And I hope you are wanting more too from Kermang. We'll be playing Flex after the next song because the next song has the biggest spotlight on tonight's local highlights. Now, who takes the crown? It's Veda Born, of course. She's also featured on our Sin Sweet 16 playlist, and this song is an absolute pop anthem. Veda Born shares that she wrote Kissing Strangers 
about a relationship she knew she had outgrown. She was experiencing the bittersweet feeling of heartbreak and excitement from making the right decisions for herself. She was ready to move on to the next phase of her life and all she could do was hope that the other person was okay while she gave her space to move on too. If you like this song, then definitely check out her other hits including Girls and Beyonce, My Favourite Is Girls, and I know we had Implastic's song about making us feel heartbroken and blue, but Vetterborn's song will, you know, help us accept those bittersweet feelings and move on in life. So let's play that song now. This is called Kissing Strangers by Vetterborn. And don't forget to message us on facebook.com forward slash Asian Pop Nation or on Twitter and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Let us know your thoughts on these local highlights. You're listening on Sin. Now it's time to introduce a special up-and-coming indie pop artist who we've invited for an interview to talk about her debut release, Wanda Beach, and her first ever EP coming up soon. So give it up for Saiva. Thanks so much, Saiva, for coming onto the show and congratulations on your upcoming debut single. How are you feeling? Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to be on the show. Yeah, I'm feeling really good. I'm looking forward to our chat. I guess we can start from talking about your songwriting and how you sort of got started into songwriting in the music industry. What sort of inspired you? Yeah, for sure. So I started writing songs when I was 12, as a lot of musicians do, I guess um, we start quite early. Even though I started with a band, you know, doing this, the whole traditional avenue of um, doing live performance and writing songs, I started ex- experimenting with different forms of performance as well. So I did some musical theater. Um, I did some voice acting. But what really made me want to record in a studio was when I moved to Australia. I actually moved to Australia a year ago. And um, I left my family behind. I missed them, obviously. But I'd also left the whole arts community behind in Hong Kong, too. So when I came to Australia, I didn't really know that many people. And I was kind of going, oh, like, you know, what what am I going to do? And while I was having all those thoughts, though, I was also really enjoying, um, really enjoying being in Australia, you know, looking at the natural beauty of it and, um, you know, experiencing all the excitement of being in a new city. So that really started inspiring me to write some songs. And that's kind of where it all began. Yes, I would understand it's quite challenging moving to a new location and having to sort of find your own community and your own sort of family here. I noticed from your Instagram post that you showcased quite a few of the people who have helped you put together the songs that you wrote throughout last year. And I just wanted to ask, like, how did you end up meeting them? How did you develop that song or music community here in Australia, especially since so much happened last year that might have made it difficult to establish a community? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. honestly, it was really serendipitous. I was feeling really sad at one point. You know, I was missing family. I'd had my heart broken. You know, all, all, the, all the dramatic stuff was happening at once. And I was telling my friend, you know, I wrote this song because I, you know, I just couldn't deal with all the emotions of it. And she said, well, actually, it turns out her boyfriend is a musician and I knew that. But he just started doing some producing and he set up this whole home studio. And she said, why don't you give it a go? And I, and I thought, well, that's random out of everyone I could have known. Someone knows a musician, um, a producer. So I, I went, I said, yeah, sure, I'm going to do it. 
and um, he's got a home studio. That's very different in comparison to doing recording in a, uh, I guess, a, in a, the traditional type of studio, right? The day I showed up, um, I opened the gate to mm-hmm. enter his place, and it was this garden. <laughs> so you go down these stairs, you pass all these trees, and I'm like, okay, this is like different and new. And I come in, and he's got the coziest studio ever. And, uh, you know, there's like rugs, he'll make you a cup of tea. And he's literally, he's called his studio Overgrown Studios because of all the plants that are around him. Yeah, so it was really just a matter of luck. Um, And, uh, you know, when I actually recorded there, I just felt so comfortable and relaxed. And it was kind of like a home. (laughs) Yeah, it felt really good. And so on your Instagram as well, that it originally started from like a one song studio recording and then became like a one year music project so how did it evolve and grow into such a longer well so the first reason and a really plain reason is that it was fun yeah (laughs) Uh, we went in there we produced a song that we're really proud of and we were like okay let's do a few more so it kind of became this thing where you know this serendipitous meeting became something where we saw potential for more and I just so happened to have a set of four songs that were all located in different parts of Sydney And then basically what we did was we were like, okay, well, there's this theme. We can actually release it as a project over the year. That's the plan. So the first single is in Wanda Beach. Um, It's actually called Wanda Beach as well. And it's actually set in the same location. (laughs) And I guess I wanted to ask, since all of the songs that you're releasing have that, um, are based in locations in Sydney, what was it about Sydney that made you fall in love with the coastline and the places there yeah. that made you and um, I guess inspire you to write songs about it. Yeah, well, I, I guess the whole music project. So my music is very much inspired by the poetry of the Romantic era. So I was a bit of an English literature nerd at school, and I'd love to read these poems. You know, like. Keats, Shelley, Byron, Wordsworth. And a lot of their themes are very much based around the beauty of nature and this like internal or emotional exploration that a person can go through um, and how those two kind of interweave with each other. Mm. I I guess my just interest in setting and how that works lyrically and poetically does feature a lot because I believe that when you bring up setting in an artistic point of view, then you can also hint at what the individual or the singer or the musician is feeling internally as well so it's kind of like using the external world to hint at what someone feels you know emotionally Mm. and internally and that's something I just really like to do with my music but then the second bit was also that I'm a third culture kid so you know I, I think that Melbourne being very multicultural probably has a lot of people in the same boat um my parents are Nepalese ethnically but I was born in India and I grew Mm. up in Hong Kong. Um, Now I'm in Australia. (laughs) I don't, my accent doesn't sound like any of those cultures. So very culturally confused. So I've often used uh, my physical surroundings as an anchor because my my concept of home is, it's very, it's very abstract, I guess. It's not rooted in a single singular place. So I guess the idea of setting has always been really important to me in my music. Mm. And Anything about Sydney in particular that sort of struck you compared to the other places that you've lived in? Mm -hmm. 
I think of course it is that whole, you know, I'm coming in with fresh eyes, I'm new to the place. And so everything I see, I see with excitement or this, this level of adventure that maybe people who have, you know, maybe a lot of people have lived in the this, this city for like 10 years or 20 years, you know, they'll be like, yeah, well, it's normal every day. But for me, I'm, I'm seeing it all with new eyes. So I think that's what it is. But I also think that there's just a whole lot of beauty and natural landscape that is is almost a little bit, I don't want to say underrated, but I think that a lot more attention should be focused onto it um, just because there's so much, there's so many amazing things to see here. So I think I am really um, sensitive mm. to nature and um, the, the surroundings as well. So yeah. With Blunder Beach, did you come to it knowing that you were going to write about this place? How did that song sort of come to that? No, not at all. <laughs> so um, when I arrived at Wanda Beach, I, you know, when I when I went there for the first time and everything, I was struck by how beautiful it was. Um, but it was also kind of it was a funny point in time for me because I just kind of come out of like an experience that I that hadn't been great. So I just had my heart broken, <laughs> and I was in Wanda Beach. But then I could tell that something else was starting as well. So it was like this weird bit where you're in the middle. And, and I think that, I guess, when I wrote Wanda Beach, I wasn't necessarily focusing on the romantic aspect. I was thinking more about, you know, how, how does it feel to kind of be in the middle of something when you're just kind of recovering from something bad that happened? But then you can also see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel or something that's gonna good that's going to come out of all of the bad stuff. And the interesting thing is that even Wanda Beach historically, it has a bit of that vibe to it as well. Um, Wanda Beach in the 60s um, was the site of some pretty horrific crime. Uh, There are a couple of murders that happened there. But if you go there today, people are just surfing, they're swimming, jogging, having a great time. You cannot tell that something happened there a long time ago. So it's kind of like this kind of in-between sort of place. And I thought that it worked really well with the theme of the song. Yeah. Yeah. And were there any challenges or even like great joys coming up with the this song from the production stage or the songwriting stage? Anything that really stuck out, uh, stood out to you when making it? Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess it started, how I do it is I, I usually start with a poem. I'll always start with a poem. And then once I've got the poem, then the melody comes to me. So one thing that I really remember about Wanda Beach is I was literally, <laughs> I was literally having a shower thought. I was like in the shower going, oh, how am I going to turn this into a tune? And then the tune just kind of came. It was like, you know, Wanda, Wanda Beach in the, <laughs> in the shower. And I was thinking, I came out, I was like, okay, I've got the tune now. <laughs> so it kind of just wrote itself in a way. And then from the, and the production uh, wise, what was really interesting is that Dan Tomalaris, who is the producer, um, he listened to the song. I'd kind of had some basic chords. And then he, and he's from the Shire, by the way, which is the area or the region in Sydney where Wanda Beach is. He, mm. he kind of went, you know what? I've, I've got a guitar riff for this. <laughs> and he sat down and he played it and I thought, wow, it's, it's really pretty and it really suits the song. So, you know, we were really happy with that. So I think that in, in terms of the challenges, I, it was pretty smooth process actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of fun doing it. So, um, I, I, I think that, you know, really to me, it was like a collaborative process that kind of 
happen bit by bit. Um, and it, wa- it went pretty smoothly. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good to hear. And I, the song's absolutely beautiful. It does definitely have oh. that atmosphere as if you were walking <laughs> along a beach. And I think it's absolutely yeah. incredible, especially um, you shot the video for Wonder Beach as mm-hmm. well there. And I was wondering, was there any challenges in filming at a beach? I know <laughs> having the perfect sort of weather, the outfits might have been a struggle, especially the sea breeze. What are some of the things you remember from that moment? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So musically it was smooth. <laughs> Visually it was, yeah, a challenge. Because, you know, you're doing this independently because, you know, my music project is totally independent. Mm. I just so happened to know a videographer who's a friend of mine and she agreed to come out with me. But it was, we woke up at 4.30, right? And then we drove down to the beach to get the early morning light, which is typically the softest or the most golden sort of color, right? So that was mm. that was one part of it. As the day went on, it got hotter and hotter because, you know, it's so hot in Australia. Uh, and and I was spinning around in this sort of satin dress and it was boiling. Um, and I was thinking, I was going, how did I get into this? Like, what, what am I doing on this beach in this dress? And people were kind of looking as well, going, oh, what's going on? And um, some encouraging comments, honestly. But yeah, but then when we came back from the beach and we looked at all the footage, we thought, well, okay, that works. <laughs> so in the end, it was, it was, I was like, okay, it feels worth it now. <laughs> And I was going to also ask about your, your stage name, Sci-Fi. It's a beautiful name. Is there inspiration behind it? Was it the name you've been given by someone in the past? Yeah. Oh, um, well, honestly, um, there are a couple of things to it. So it was inspired by just a name that I'd heard somewhere and I thought that sounds pretty. I just tweaked the spelling a little bit. Um, but one big reason that I picked it was because, you know, I really wanted a, an alias, but I didn't want to pick something that was too far away from my roots. I wanted to pick something that kind of sounds sort of Asian. I didn't want to pick something that sounded completely, I don't know, European, just because I feel like that's not true to my cultural background. And so that's one big reason why I went with Cypher. And I know that Wonder Beach is the first of a couple of songs that are coming out later as well. What can you tell us mm-hmm. about the songs that are coming up next and how they all kind of interconnect yeah. with that theme of uh, wonder and nature mm. and love? Mm, yeah. Um, so all of them are, um, you know, as we said before, they're all set in Sydney, but I think I do want to stress, stress that the themes in it are kind of, to me, they're pretty global. Uh, I don't want to say that it's only for people from yeah. Sydney because that's definitely not the case. Um, and, and as you said as well, very correctly, yes, they are rooted very much in that, uh, nature is very present in all of them, you know, singing about the ocean or the cliffs. Also, I think love features predominantly in them not just romantic love but also love for your friends so there's um one of the songs i wanted to mention is called vocalist which i'll be mm-hmm. releasing later this year and it's it's based in a suburb that's 
uh, it's typically quite affluent, actually, um, typically known to be quite affluent. Um, it, that was based off a really nice day that I had with some of my friends. And it was, you know, a really nice Sunday. It was just starting to be summer. I was just going from spring to summer. And it was um, a really beautiful day. And I remember very clearly going, okay, I can forget about all my problems <laughs> today. You know, I feel really free. And that was kind of in direct juxtaposition to coming out of the political situation in Hong Kong, <laughs> where, yeah, that kind of feeling is really hard to come by, uh, you know, at the moment and during last year as well. So yeah, that, that song was all about not taking that feeling for granted, appreciating the nature around you and how it helps you feel better too. Um, so yeah, so I think all those songs are thematically quite, um, even though they're location-wise really specific, they're thematically pretty uh, relatable, I would hope. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing them. And I guess oh, thank you. going to our sort of last question is where can mm. our listeners find you and Wanda Beach? Wanda Beach comes out, uh, I'm sure you'll let everyone know, on the 26th, so that's Friday, and it'll be available on all streaming platforms, so Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, whatever you like to use. Um, you can pre-save it now, so if you follow me or check out my Instagram or Facebook at this is Cypher. So that's with full stops between each word and cipher with an S-Y-F-A-H. So this is cipher. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and also pre-save the track in the link in my bio. Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with us today. No worries. Thank you so much. It's Celestia. And, you know, anime to live action. We know that's a slippery slope to failure, but webtoon to live action? You know, I think it works well, despite not having read the webtoon. Now, which comic am I talking about? It's True Beauty, of course, and I lied. I read like four chapters before giving up, but I am a huge fan of the K-drama live action adaption. For those of you who aren't acquainted to what True Beauty is... It's about a high school girl named Im Joo Kyung, who is acted by Moon Ga Young, who has a complex about her face. Her classmates bullied her because she wasn't pretty, and in typical drama fashion, she has some breakdown moments. However, things change when a family moves houses due to financial difficulties, and Im Joo Kyung transfers schools, allowing her to restart her life anew. And how she starts that is by using makeup to transform her life. We've also got two amazing male leads. They are Cha Eun-woo, who is from Astro, acting as Lee Soo-ho as the main male lead, and Hwang Yin-yop as Han So-joon as the second male lead, and they do a fantastic job in their roles. What I love about the drama is that it brings a beautiful message on board about what is true beauty, especially to a younger, more teenage audience. As teenagers, well, back when I was a teenager, how other people viewed ourselves was so important, as well as trying to look pretty. For Korea, in a society that has high beauty standards and values presentation, it was great to see the drama tackle those issues, and explain that we should be comfortable in our own skin regardless of if we wear makeup. We see Im Jo Gyeong transform from someone who was so focused on the fact that she wasn't pretty to owning it 
and being confident in their skin, with or without makeup. The journey with Im Jigong using makeup is also very positive because it creates a better understanding that makeup can be a tool to help us feel more confident in ourselves and is used for accentuating the beauty we already have. On top of that, Im Jigong has such a friendly and bright personality and you know what, it's the inner beauty that counts. Now enough of the beauty talk, let's talk about cliches. This drama has the typical cliches you find in many dramas, as the guy finding out her secret and then they fall in love, it's a typical high school drama, what else could you want more from it? It also contains a frustrating love triangle between the male lead and the second lead, and will definitely give you second lead syndrome because Han Sojun oh, is just such a caring person in the drama, and Hwang in does a really good job in just making you want him to be the guy who gets the girl. There are a lot of funny and borderline cringy moments, which I loved in the drama, including pettiness between the male lead character interactions. You know that deep down they care for each other, but it's always fun to see them mildly inconveniencing each other. And it's sort of those interactions that you find in other dramas, such as like Goblin between the two male leads. It's just fun to watch. There are also cute side romances within the drama which will make you feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. So if you're upset about Im Jigong being with the main male lead, that's fine, there's other romances there that you can just feel for. So if you're an avid K-drama watcher, what are you in it for? Really positive and strong messages about true beauty? Romance? Cute guys? Watching the show's depiction of ugly women turn super pretty, comedy. If any of that tick any of your boxes for what you need, then definitely check it out. I'd personally give it a, probably about a 7.5 out of 10. It's definitely a lighthearted drama compared to the many I have watched and would definitely leave you feeling satisfied. And for those of you who have already seen the drama, message us on facebook.com forward slash AsianPopNation or on Twitter and Instagram at AsianPopNation. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And speaking of listeners, Ebony, I know you're out there. If you're listening, let me know. I want to know your thoughts about True Beauty. I know you're reading it. Are you watching it? Love to hear your thoughts. If I can describe one sentence, one question about the movie I just watched, it'll just be this. What the heck did I just watch? Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Age of Pop Nation, and right now it's currently 12.37am in the... I don't know if it's morning or night anymore, I know it's a nice guy, so yeah. I just got home like probably 5 minutes ago, or maybe 10. After all, because I just got back from the semester watching Airwick and the Witches, which came out on February 4th. And I can say there's one thing, it is not worth the trip to be in the cinemas. I mean, I'm grateful I get to go with my friends, so that's cool, but so not worth it watching it at the movies. So, if you don't understand what it is, it's the first CGI movie to be made by Studio Ghibli. And it's directed by Goro Miyazaki, the son of uh, Hayao Miyazaki, legendary director who did Spirited Away and so many, many, many more of Studio Ghibli's iconic movies. And Here Wake and the Witches, I have to say this, is not one of the greatest movies they ever made. made. So here's the story. A girl named Iwigel, Erika, whatever you call her, of course, was dropped into an orphanage and then she's taken in by Bella Yaga, who is the blue-haired witch and especially Mantric, the guy who managed to ship through walls and all that stuff with glasses. And it was quite weird, that one. And that's basically it. 
like she's got adopted and I have no idea what the plot is all about so to be honest I mean she gets adopted and we don't know where exactly like why she got dropped I mean the 12 witches are after her do we know the reason why as to why and then eventually well we don't know like the story is this like we looked at the movie and we question it like is the movie about her being rebellious like manipulating people is the message telling us to manipulate people we asked like me and a few friends when we watched it we were asking ourselves that question like is that it? Is she just manipulating people? And be honest, that's really bad for a message, but you can say that. I mean, this is based off a book that was written by the same, written by Donna Wayne Jarn. I made another book that was also produced by Studio Ghibli, and I think that was directed by Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki, called uh, Hollow Moving Castle, I think I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Well, we can put this to sidelines. Like, the characters weren't exactly that good. It was boring at the top. I mean, Earwig is just, just completely bad and all mannerism really and for Bellanaka and Mandrick it was completely boring the only thing good we like about this the only thing good about this movie was Thomas the cat that's all I could say was Thomas that's it the animation wise with CGI it I mean it's the first time Studio Ghibli did a CGI and it's completely new territory for them sort of anyway because this is basically produced by young uh, stuff instead of old ones who never worked on uh, CGI before so it's brought young stuff involved and I'll give credit. It is not bad. The CG is not bad at tops. It's not bad. With the ex- especially with the expression as Earwig, I give us some credit. It has some funny, a few decent facial expression. But that's pretty much it. For voice acting wise, we watched the movie in dub, and we could say it was okay. I mean, this is produced by and Wavy Post, which I still consider them as one of the best uh, uh, dubbing companies ever. Like they did the dub for Great Pretender, Weather with You, Your Name, and so many other more. That's basically movies from G Kids that is anime and a little bit not. This feels flat. And for this dub, it just feels flat. That's it. I mean, granted, there's some dubs. There's some of the actors are pretty good, like from average, good and all that stuff. But this is just one of the weakest plot. That's it. It's pretty much yeah. If I can say this one word, it's a complete mess. This movie. This movie is just a complete mess. And we have no idea what exactly we said. We have no idea what exactly we thought about this movie. Like even when the credits were rolling, we just like screamed out like, "What the?" Yeah, we actually didn't say that last part yes i had to censor myself for that one without saying it but we just had a massive rant especially during the like after the movie's finished with its credits we had a full-on rant about it what do we watch it was not a good movie it's like comparing oko is in but oko is in a lot more better than this movie and heck we compare this like heck we're still talking about this movie with children on the scene as well and oko is in the two of them are a lot more better than this and this was scary since i have no idea what children of the sea was about and i've seen it like three times still if you want to watch this movie please go ahead and watch it but if you do, keep your mind open about this movie. Don't keep your high expectation for this. Because we were completely disappointed by this movie. That's it. Anyhow, if you've seen it, what do you suggest this movie? Is it worth watching or not? Uh, remember, just keep your hands, watch it, wear a mask, watch your face, all that stuff. Watch your face, watch your hands, whatever. Remember, stay safe. And it's too early for me to count. That's how screwed up I am for this. Anyhow, stay safe. Goodbye. Everyone here heard of Attack on Titan, just a oh, yeah. small yeah. little series, you know, it doesn't That's get it. much attention. Hmm. It's yeah. not small. No, it's not small. <laughs> it gets a lot of attention. <laughs> but according to some Reddit and Twitter users, there was once this Malaysian comic magazine that translated the Attack on Titan manga into Malaysian. Mm-hmm. But they were surprised when they saw some of the panels where the Titans were fighting each other that a lot of them were, like, wearing biking pants, like, really tight pants or bodysuits for, like, the female Titan because 
in Malaysia, they have to comply oh with media content laws saying that, you know, things like nudity cannot be shown without approval from their board. But I guess, what do you think of it, considering that, you know, they don't actually really have anything to show? I think it improves To it. take away anything from the story, think? What have they done? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, think- exactly what I, what I thought. Like, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw that and I was like... Yeah, nah. <laughs> I'm not having it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'd read it. Sounds funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The PG version of Attack on Titan. Yes, PG version. Show it to your kids. But that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, how is it PG version when, you know, like in the first chapter, Aaron's mom that's... gets eaten? Yeah, <laughs> Do they not censor that? No, exactly. That was brutal. No, we'll just change that to snow. That's it. <laughs> When they die, it's like... Yeah. Mm. All these people are made of snow, and when they get bitten in half, poof! It's like that. That just... Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty dumb, actually. But I mean, <laughs> as long as the story's the same, surely it doesn't take anything away, right? The story will still be the same, it's just the censorship will be a little bit different, that's it. Mm. I think for people who've seen the original version, like, all of us, if not most of us, I think it's going to take away some stuff. Because, <laughs> like, for us to have... I, I didn't watch the anime. I read I read quite a lot of the manga. And I know I got very emotional when Eren's mom got eaten. Yeah. That one. But, yeah, I feel like if Eren's mom got eaten and she turned into snow, I would be like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be emotional like, oh, no, she looks so helpless. Why? And now I'm just be like, snow. <laughs> <laughs> Let it snow, let it snow. Exactly. I was like, is that what you're trying to say? Let it snow, let it snow. Let it snow. (laughs) Well, I believe the magazine that was publishing it uh, discontinued in 2019. So Mm. I'm not sure if the censorship was really helping their case. Did did someone say yes to that? I think that was Aaron. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Yeah, but Celeste, what do you think? Is it a good decision complying with media? Was there, or do you think it takes away from the story? Well, because um, it's Malaysia, I think they're a bit more conservative towards yeah. that. So it's just like, it's understandable. It can't be helped. But at the same time, I just kind of, I want to like watch the censorship of the anime version just to see them, the Titans run in those bikey yeah. shorts. It'll just be a sight to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah that would be so, so interesting. But, yeah. uh, but also, abnormal. like, yeah, like in compliance with the media media laws. Like it's, I agree with Celeste. It's very yeah. like Malaysia is a lot more conservative than say Australia, but I'm trying to think of other ways it can be done that does not involve <laughs> turning the humans into snow. <laughs> I don't know. They just straight up censor graphic anime stuff in Indonesia, and I feel like that kind of works better. Like if say the action would be like stabbing. They would censor the knife. They would censor the wound. So that doesn't take anything away. You'd know this something violent is happening. You just, you're just not seeing it. That's what I think. Yeah. And guess what? Welcome to the end of our show. You've been listening to Sin 90.7 and our flagship Asian pop culture and music show, Asian Pop Nation. We absolutely love having you around and thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you like the hits. But do let us know if you wish to recommend a song. We're always up for some song requests because there's a lot of good music out there that I'm sure we've missed. 
So check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Asian Pop Nation. No spaces, just Asian Pop Nation. Also, let us know what you thought about our discussions on the show, and if there's anything you want us to talk about as well. We are a bit behind because of the week that we missed, so we'd love to know if there's anything that we missed out on that we should be talking about because you know the world of Asian pop culture moves quite quickly. This is Senya. On behalf of the Asian Pop Nation team, signing off, and be sure to tune in next week for some more awesome discussions and awesome Asian music. Bye.